for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. The voice of the early episodes of Power Athlete Radio is back. Joining us at Power Athlete HQ on a traincation is Denny Kay. We catch up with our good buddy over some banter about goal setting, the gains he's making in the strongman world, and so much more. Older, wiser, and a shit ton stronger is the best way to describe this early adopter of CrossFit football and power athlete. The struggle for lifting awkward shit is real, but Denny Kay's passion for doing it is realer. Over the years, Denny has taken on a number of athletes of all backgrounds and sports. Here, Luke and Tex flesh out the details on how to approach each of these athletes' potential limiting factors. And the consensus is that lack of adequate mentoring, particularly for youth athletes, is the ultimate disservice. How can a coach step up to the plate? Is it by leading by example, talking with the parents, or creating a culture in which the athlete is steeped in images of success? This is episode 170. Going rogue. It's going rogue. Um, now, Denny, do you remember the line? I don't, man. Shit. It's been a long time. Are we on? We're rolling. What's happening, Power Athlete Nation? <laughs> Welcome to another podcast of the premier strength and conditioning podcast. <laughs> Power Athlete Radio. You this heard is it, Denny. The voice. He's back. In the house. I never, I've never heard it called a traincation. I'm sure that's just like Traination, man. This is there's staycations, uh-huh. there's vacations, and then but there's traincations. Not the first time we've combined two words to create mm-hmm. a new word. Funishment, infotainment, and now traincations. Mm-hmm. Traincations. So I mean, at Power Athlete HQ for a traincation. Now, now, Denny, there, this is possible. We do now have groupies that we are officially uh, the premier podcast in strength and conditioning. Um, if they don't recognize who you are, why don't you tell these people who you are? Who am I? Who is Denny K? Shit, man. Denny K goes back to old school CrossFit football mm-hmm. when you had to punch people in the dick. Literally. Literally. <laughs> uh, there was the Tabata, uh, what was the deadlift? Tabata deadlift for the go fuck yourself shirt. Mm-hmm. Something that I didn't do at that time. Right. But uh, that Denny K came from those days and it just kind of morphed into this beautiful voice that you can hear now. That and used to be a regular. That used to be a regular, man. Like, like episode one. I remember that demand, idea. Yo, I am in demand. Like, <laughs> this podcast changed my whole life. It, uh, people started reaching out and contacting me and I just became overwhelmed. I had to take a step back and kind of like, schedule everything again and, and do some uh, soul search and decide what I, what I needed to do. And it's to kick ass and help people move better. That's and do strong man shit. And yeah. to do strong. Yes. And do strong man shit. Like my new thing, man. I, uh, Jenny, my girl, Jenny back home. Uh, she played rugby. She was, she came to the gym, dude. She was probably like, Oh, she's going to kill me for this. Probably like 270-ish. Bad knees. Um, I watched her squat one day, and I was just like, wow. At that time, I was coaching more CrossFit classes, and it was one of those times when it was just her and I, right? We've, everybody's been there at some yeah, point like where one person, one person shows, up. shows up for the class, and you have them for an hour, we just squatted, right? Because she was kind of doing the – the massive kind of squatting into her knees and you know she was telling me I can't do all these things so like for that whole hour it was just kind of getting her to like sit back a little bit more widen the stance sit in her hamstrings a little bit more and it it changed right like she she kept practicing that um and started not having knee pain and I was telling her that she was kind of one of the strongest uh, women that I've ever worked with so she started entering kind of the local strongman competitions in that area and fucking won every single one of them. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, you got to do this with me. You got to do this with me. And because uh, when I came to that gym, um, I started bringing Atlas Stones and just, just those odd objects that I knew from the stuff that we do. Dude, was- I can remember doing a, a, our, like when we first had Bobby, this is original show, like when we were still Skyping and shit like that. When we had Bobby on and you were like, and we were in the conference room at the old Balboa like that's that's when we were like this is old school shit like first yeah. twenty episodes and um, 
He's just talking about fucking fire hydrants. And you were like, I could hear your fucking (laughs) eyes open over the fucking microphone from across the country. And you're just like, fire hydrants? Bob was like, yeah, fire hydrants. And I think that might be where the seed was planted for you, bro. You remember what I asked him too? I'm like, so what do you do with those? Like clean them to your shoulder? Yeah. You know how fucking heavy those are? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, dude, you're not going to fucking clean to your shoulders. Like it's hard enough to pick those fucking things up and carry them. Yeah. Because they're all top heavy and Uh shit. But, yeah, but no, so she she really kind of was like, you got to do these contests with me. And I'm like, all right. So um, I started doing them. And I think deep down, like I, I'm a, I'm a strength power athlete. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't want to fucking run miles. I don't want to do like, you know, 20, 30 minute, you know, Metcons. I've done that stuff and it has its place. And, you know, my forte is just kind of like, you know, go heavy and hard for like a minute. You could ask all the women I've dated in my past. <laughs> <laughs> hey, woo! No, uh, you know, heavy farmer carries yokes, kegs, fucking stones, man. Like the the circus dumbbell, the wide grip, mm-hmm. right grip strength, all that kind of stuff that just like fucking is is this? You know, it's just fun for me, right? Yeah. And uh, so we started doing those, man, and we try to do a contest like at least once a month or, or every other month because there's always consistency. You know, you're going to have some sort of a pull and carry, right? But one contest could be, all right, it's going to be a keg low, right? And the next one will have a stone. So you, it'll give you some new things to kind of work with so the training doesn't get too boring. Yeah. You yeah. know? And uh, it's just it's just what I enjoy doing. So, so. this is uh, this is something we discuss in the CrossFit Football Seminar when we talk about field work or the collegiate strength and conditioning template. And so one of the things that we like to highlight is what field work is, and it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. So it's that opportunity to put a challenge into training. So whether it's a kid, whether it's a, you know mom, whoever, they look at that awkward object and they think to themselves in the beginning, I. I don't know if I can do this. But then with your help as a coach, you put them in a position to step up to the plate and find a way to move this awkward implement and overcome that challenge. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's a good strongman kind of approach. All these different competitions, it's not the same two lifts back and forth. It's, all right, we're going to do, like you said, pull, carry, and then we're going to do something creative, like yeah. the truck pull you were talking about. The truck pull. Um the a Conan wheel, dude. We did a fucking Conan wheel. Explain thing, to our viewers. I know what it is. What a Conan wheel is. Oh, dude, it's so this one event that we did. It was a Conan wheel. That it, it's like a fucking yeah, exactly. It looks like a it's like a, a, a really a misbalanced carry. yeah, really misbalanced right? long teeter totter. So in the center, there's like a like an axis yeah, and then a a bar yeah. you know which the guy we. Finding a fabricator is like a fucking diamond in the rough, dude. As soon as we found a guy who can make this stuff, he's, you know, he starts, yeah, I, I can make, I told him, dude, you got to make one. He's like, I, you know, about three months. But yeah, there's like an axis here. And basically it's like a ball and hitch. Mm-hmm. And then you, your zercher carry this thing, the weights on the side. And like a, he welded like a kind of like a triangle here. And he stack plates on, pick it up and walk it there's many trips. It was like, just keep going until you got to put it down. Yeah, and then they right? count the rotations. They count the rotations. And, you know, the beautiful thing about Strongman is, like, the loads are given to you, you know? It's, here's the, here's the event. It's a Conan wheel. It's 500 pounds. How many rotations can you do? Like, you can't scale that, right? It's the ultimate big Ted, talk to me, Johnny. Like, there's no scaling. Like, here it is. Here's... There's everything's predetermined, right? So you have something to train for. It's like, fuck, man. Like I was saying earlier, you know, it used to be the 500-pound deadlift. Like this, you know, the first two shows I did, I went up there and like max reps for a minute. One was 550. Max reps for a minute, and it's like I'm fucking pulling on it, and it's not going anywhere. And people were looking at me to see if I'll quit, right? If I'll walk away and be like, oh, I just can't do it, um, or if I'll keep going for it because they, you, you get that fucking respect like that, right? And it's kept pulling, pulling, pulling. And uh, I couldn't do it. I had zero in that event. And then it, I prioritized it in my training. That was like through November. By February, March, I was able to start pulling that shit, right? And then we did one. It was similar to that. It was like a yoke deadlift, um, same height. And I think we worked up to, I pulled like six and a quarter on that. Yeah. You know, and it's like, fuck yeah, dude. And then 
now it's a 300 pound stone you yeah. know there's always something right i did we did this one contest in uh strasburg illinois and it it, it came down to meanest guy for the wire there was about like five dudes in my division and the last event was the stone right you could it was stone over a 50 inch bar you could you can take a 275 and put it over for reps right or you can do the 300 weight you know weight counts you put 300 one time you'll be no matter how many you did if you did it 10 times at 275 and i did one 300 i won so these guys all did 275 i'm the last one to go and i'm like the guys i walk up there he's like what are you gonna do and usually those 300 pound stones are like this this one was a little bit smaller and i'm like well, what's is that the 300 he goes, you're gonna do 300 and he rolls it over he goes he's gonna do 300 <laughs> right and like i'm gonna do the fucking 300 right i'm like it's it's the eight mile moment like here it is man everything's on there either i'm gonna fucking do it or i'm not and i fucking you had a minute to try and put it up there and i'm pulling and rolling on my chest i'm getting it to the bar and i just need a couple more inches to push it over and i couldn't do it it drops he's like do it again you still got time I pick that fucker up. I'm pulling up there. The crowd's up behind me. I get it up to the bar, and I just can't get it over there, and it fucking drops. And he's like, you got 15 seconds, man. Pick that fucker up again. And I went down there, picked it up, rolled it up to my fucking chest. Couldn't put it over the bar, and it dropped. And I didn't fucking place. But you went but for you it. know what? I fucking went for it, and I will get that, right? I have a mole. I'm going to go train with Logan tomorrow. We're going to fucking – I'll make that 300 feel like, you know, something I can do five, six times. Right. And then it'll be something else. But – you know, what I told myself is like, how many people would have taken that risk mm -hmm. in front of a crowd, either looking like a chump or it's going to look like the greatest thing in the world, right? Or like the football play, like the goal line stance kind of a thing, mm -hmm. right? Like if, you, if the play works and you score and you win, it was like, oh, what a great fucking call that was. Yeah. If you don't make it, it's like, what the fuck were you thinking? Yeah. You know, but it's making that risk. There's like, there's, or taking that risk. There's like an emotional response to that, man. And it just, you know, you, you, you don't rise to the occasion, kind of you resort to level your training. So I have something to now work and train more to fucking do that, mm -hmm. you know? And then, like I said, it'll be something else. Well, I mean, it's all, it, it comes down to progression too, because that's not your final competition, right? It is. And just like, you know, we were talking about linear progression the other day and how, right, we're calling it failure. Like you failed, but that failure is indicative of a moment, a baseline moment and something that becomes a meaningful number or meaningful event. And yes. from there, now you have a more focused goal to like achieve and break through that plateau, right? Yes. So when I um, when I fucking wanna fucking quit or the shit's getting hard for me or it's challenging or coaches is pushing me, what's gonna go through my fucking head that moment, right? I can mm -hmm. connect I'll always have a connection to that moment. And uh that that's looking at things in a greater perspective, right? Like, fuck, the, the contest is over. It was great, you know, uh, we had a good time. I'll do it again next year, but I'll, I'll, I have that connection with that that's going to fuel the fire. Fuel the fire. Great, you know? So, yeah, man, and and Jenny and I, we trained. They're, they're going to the Nationals next month. I qualified for one uh, this September in Vegas. And then we're going to try and shoot for uh, the Nationals in Detroit in 2017. So that's uh, like the next one's in Decatur. And there's Decatur, a, the Paris of the pole. Midwest? There's a not a truck pole. There's a fucking car deadlift for reps. Yeah. How fucking cool is that, dude? you got to channel your inner Toretto, right? <laughs> fucking car deadlift. Mm -hmm. They, like, back that fucker on this, like, machine and it just kind of adjusts the pins to per uh you know like there's always a novice or there's a there's a regular in the division so right right uh, but even the novice like is fucking heavy and fucking hard so um you know going back to like setting the events and things like that and there's kind of a standard there's a standard template that you can um i guess see at these competitions mm -hmm. um and dr tom yeah was a, was a strong man and he was telling us how he went about becoming a national champion and he's like, here's what I did. For all the past 10 years, I looked at each individual event and I created a matrix of what the world record times are. I then tested my baseline and I created a linear approach on how I should be able to progress if I wanted to break all these national champions. And that's what he ended up doing. That was his training was solely 
following his little linear fucking progression. Granted, he's also a fucking animal and like obsessive compulsive genius who's strong as fuck, right? Oh, like, so that right. helped him. Yeah. But he's like, that's how I broke it down. He's like, I'm just going to look at what the best did and I'm going to try and do better. And what's interesting about that is he's working with some high level CrossFitters now. Oh, so yeah. He, yeah. Like, nice. he's so he was at the games with us and, you know, we were working with some of the girls too. But um, I asked him because he's fucking, dude, he's, you know, he's like, mm-hmm. the, he might be the smartest person I have ever came across when it comes to especially performance in sports. And I said, do you think, and so I guess let me back up before, Dr. Tom also works with like uh, terminal diseases. And, As he should. And right? like, and like he, he is like, I love doing this because what people say can't be done, I want to prove it can be done. And he's like, and people will come to him and he says, they'll, they'll go, money is no option, just make me healthy again. He's like, do you actually mean that? Do you actually mean money is no option? Because he's a scientist. He doesn't have like the emotional uh, connection connection to like, oh, money There is money is no option actually means like at $5 million, cut it off. For example, money is no option. He's like, I, if, there, if, real, if it's really no mo- option, I can, I'm going to have fucking this $5,000 per gram ginseng flown in overnight i'm gonna get this iv from this fucking guy over here flown in overnight you know what i mean like yeah so he says like if it's not an option that's something so i, I pose him the question if money was no option could you create an athlete that would be guaranteed to win the crossfit games and he said absolutely no and, shit yeah and he said he would so luke's going for it yeah, so basically, money, except I don't have fucking $10 billion to live in with Dr. Tom and his family and take his crazy supplement packs to block interleukin-4. and then. Uh, but his, his deal was you just break down the elements, right? And then you, you have two options. You either get stronger through the movement pattern or improve neural efficiency, right? And that's okay. specifically for the CrossFit. And it's so you minimize energy expenditure because that is the limiting factor for the CrossFit. And I'm like, well, is it like strongman? He's like, no, nothing like strongman. He's like, but it's the same process. You break it down into the fundamental elements. You map out where you're at and where you need to be. And then just over time, mm-hmm. I guess when I'm getting at and connecting it back, you're going to obviously fail. Like you're going to be competing. Competing is how we expand abilities because there's nothing in the gym that will help you replicate the Environment. The, this, the environment, the yeah. eyes, fucking no. all eyes on the, you, make or break. Because yeah. if you hit the 300-pound stone in that competition, that becomes an, an element of your training now. You've now expanded that ability and established it, right? Mm-hmm. But he's still expanding that ability because he had three reps at the highest, of metal, uh, highest amount of stress that you can ever like implement. So now guess what your body's going to do? Adapt. Right. They're going yeah. to adapt to the stress you put on it to succeed. So, um, yeah, if that fucking yoke was two inches lower, yeah, was it going or, over? Hey, or, or you were weird, two inches dude, taller. Why, wouldn't you, why didn't you wear work boots? <laughs> it's like, you know what? Why did they fucking think of that? Right? Yeah. Next time I do stones over bar, I'm going in there with fucking work high boots heels. and yeah. high heels. Yeah, kiss <laughs> fucking boots. Like, those people come up with some crazy shit, and it's like, wow, you know, fucking. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. But, yeah, so. I'd like to stick with, with goals. So you, you mentioned a couple goals and then you talked to us earlier before the podcast about like a 13 year old. So this is something yeah. I, I've been just uh, contemplating and trying to wrap my head around in, in conversations about competition uh, back and forth with, with, with Luke during the mornings, during the training sessions and then working with kind of a lot of high school, younger kids. And then they realize that they don't, they don't know what they don't, they don't know what they want. So they show up to training, whether it's for basketball, whether it's for football, it doesn't matter. These kids just show up because either their parents are dropping off, their coach is making it, and they don't necessarily know what they want. Uh, so done a lot of kind of research with goals, and I'm, I, I can't stand self-help stuff. So I kind of avoided that, but then went to uh, a lot of different coaches that I've worked with in the past, and then, you know, classics like Lou Holtz and freaking uh, Jimmy V. So mm-hmm. just basic goal approach. And... Uh, some some correlations and things that I found is that most people just say they want. So, ninety five percent of the world just says I want to do this, or but I want to look this way. Yes, and we have all experienced that. And then what we don't see though is for you to move on past the I want stage is for you to actually write your goals down, write it down, 
So it becomes at that moment an actual goal that you can, I tell every kid to just put it up in their bathroom mirror so they're forced to look at it every single day. So it's mm -hmm. that I want and how we get past it is just writing it down. From writing it down, it's kind of directing how you write it and be, becomes, uh, it becomes a language. So from there, it's I will. I will mm -hmm. become a better rebounder. So it's speaking in a, in a vocal awareness. I mean, I've worked with a lot of high school kids and they get down. Whether they're, they're negative talk of I don't want to do this or I can't do that, it's, they're creating a, a vocal perception that becomes reality. So if we're able to change that by having them write it down and speaking in successful language, I will accomplish this, that, whatever their goal is. And then in a team, I love team environments. If you have someone that's down, you have to change their vocal awareness so that way it's in that positive direction, whether it's for them as an individual or the overall goal of the team. So from vocal awareness, it starts to become action. So this is where mm -hmm. action steps come into place. And weightlifting is the ultimate action because you gotta do it. You're here with me, you're here with Denny, you're here with Luke, you have to do these reps. Mm -hmm. So within action, having success is we lead into visualization. So it's not just doing the reps, we want you to have a, a mental approach as you go into the bar. And I talk about this in uh, several of the Power Coach self-esteem articles, so this is rooted back to those. Mm -hmm. uh, check those out, Power Coach Fear, Power Coach Self-Esteem on Power Athlete HQ. And then it's practicing and forcing them to do visualization. So in envisioning success of those reps, which then gets them practicing of their mind is directed towards a task, they step up to the bar, and then they actually succeed at it physically. Mm -hmm. So you can tie this into a timeout a coach writing a play on the board. Well, what it, what's going through those players' heads? They're seeing it go into it. So if we kind of practice visualization within a, a known task, then guess what? It, it's, a, it's an automatic response to practice visualization when they're presented with novel tasks in their sport. For lacrosse, if you're on offense and it's your opportunity, they call your number, uh, we, we call it Rolex, Rolex, whatever number, name, means it's time, your time to go. You take a step back and you have a moment and opportunity to kind of think about your move you're going to put on the defender. So in basketball, we see it all the time with freaking greats like Westbrook and Rose. They take one step back. They see the, the field that's in front of them. They visualize it for one instant, one moment, and then they just go. So visualization and success physically, that leads to accomplishment. And so accomplishment, you must acknowledge your successes. So acknowledging your successes leads to confidence. Mm -hmm. So I did this. I did that. Awesome. But then acknowledging your failures is where we truly grow. So confidence in you did not succeed at that 300-pound uh, stone. Mm -hmm. So what'd you do? Shit. Did not you get down on yourself? No. You looked at how you could actually succeed at this. What was it? Grow two inches because of workplace. <laughs> like George Costanza in that, in that, uh, that's that backwards episode. Yeah. That one. So confidence can be because of success or creating an opportunity because you failed, then you can direct that confidence. I'm going to approach this situation, this task, this play, whatever it is, with confidence because now that I'm prepared because of the failure. Yeah. You can't just look at failure and accept it. No. Right. So then this would lead to actualization. So actualization is the success of a failure that you didn't have before, which then leads to experience, and that's where you gain experience as an athlete. Then you're comfortable, confident in all situations and phases of the game, stages. Even if it's the like the fourth quarter, they're calling your number. Mm -hmm. You're not going to shy away because I mean, as talented as athletes that I've, I've played with, I've worked with, there's been the guys that are are great in practice, but that moment they're not gamers. But then there's other guys who are like, yeah, fuck yeah, I want the ball. They're calling their own shot, and we want to kind of exude that. And then Raph, kind of the, the last podcast we had with Raph, I absolutely loved it. And so one big nugget I took away was expect, expect more of yourself. Mm -hmm. And that goes back all the way to I want to do this. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you want to do? Are you going to limit that perception? Perception becomes reality. So if mm -hmm. we're writing down big things, I want to do this, write it down, expect more of yourself. So any time I work with a team, this is kind of the walkthrough in the phase that I go through and then uh, worked with some of – the high school down the street here and then I, I was bringing home like sheets of paper written down and looks like what the fuck are those I'm like the goals so then I was just teaching these kids how to write it first step though was 
what do you want to do? I can't tell you what you want to do. So then it was up, down, and around. Mm -hmm. I want to dunk. Yeah. I don't know. They were bad. But then now it was putting them in a position to empower these kids who have a direct. And then it was I will statements that vocal awareness for the team. So if – Dude, like this is like a, a blueprint for freaking life. You know what I mean? And you're, you're saying kids. I mean, 13-year-olds, uh, they need this kind of shit. How many, how many people are truly showing them how to go step-by-step? Step nobody. Or, nobody. Well, and it's not, not even nobody. But, like, you, but here's the thing, Denny, too, and this is what we were talking about, you know, why this kid may be a pain in the ass uh, that we were talking about earlier mm -hmm. is, like, it, you, even if you tell them, Telling them is is like one small sliver. Yeah, it's it's creating a culture where this becomes the norm. And uh, honestly, like uh, this stuff to me, this is a problem. Someone brainwashed me with this because I already like this is kind of an automatic thing for me. Mm -hmm. You know what? Fucking when did you? You're when better than that. But it go. wasn't always. I know, I know. And I'm just curious who the fucker was that did it. Yeah. And at what? At what? I mean, that 13. That's like a crucial age, right, for well, like yeah, a young male. Like if a role model or a mentor can step in and kind of be like, look, here's here's what I want you to do step by fucking step. So, right? and, and looking and, back, like uh, and we had the conversation with this kid this morning. It's um, Luke, and, Luke and I were talking about our different backgrounds, and I said, I, I, I knew I was meant to be a coach. And my dad went to NC State, so I grew up just following Jim Balvano's approach every single year, which was never give up which then led into my dad, my uncle went to Notre Dame, so then I was following Notre Dame football with Lou Holtz, and then it's like the most positive person in the fucking world. So it's like all these directions and coaches were all coming back to goals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then expecting more of yourself, you know, never give up. Um, but it's... Uh, and learning from like failing. You know what I mean? And taking a different perspective to failure. Right. Not, not accepting it, it. Not quitting or just being like, oh, I can't do this, right? A negative. Use the, what's the positive of it? Why did you fail? And how? What steps can you take to try to prevent it next time? Right? You or prevent it might not be the right word, but I mean, get over that hump because you're going to fail at something else. Yeah, you're there's learning. always something. Just right? learn something from failing. You should want to fail at things just so you can become I don't know, know better. That. Maybe that didn't sound but right. right? But I mean, it should or, be be courageous. Put yourself in a position to fail. Right by by reaching by overreaching, mm -hmm. and then from there, what could yeah. I have done better or wear worn boots, cheater? But um, <laughs> thicker work boots. Yeah, and I mean, I'm going to turn this into kind of a an actual guide, a video, or something that we can get onto our YouTube. But the bottom line is, and it goes back to another podcast we had with Double A, and we asked the question: Is it kids these days, or is it the coaches? And he believed it was the coaches and, gave, and parents, but and gave a, a pretty solid story that happened that morning just by chance, which is crazy. And it's like, we can't just accept these kids for this their actions. We have to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And then, again, freaking 95% of the world sits in, I want this, I want that. Well, never make it beyond that. Right? What you can do about it. Right. Step one, write it down. I just start with do it. Do it. Listen to Nike. Do it. Do it. Just do it. <laughs> so, um, that's which, cool, dude. I got like a whole, uh, um, a whole crop now. Now we're getting into like the 15, 16 year olds. Uh, the past couple months I've been training um, varsity hockey team. Yes. Right. And you want to talk about kids who are in dire need of a mentor. And just like goals and directions, like they, they're there. You know what I mean? They, they're just like chopping at the bit for something like this. And uh, I think, I think if you're, if a part of you as a being a coach doesn't want to mentor, you know, um, then something's wrong, right? Like you should want to to kind of be this role model and uh you should see these guys dude for one thing like hockey is crazy yeah right like i i know we were talking a little bit before we got in the air here but i never realized how like beneficial skates could be jay welly what's up man looking good looking huge 
know if that's good or bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Um, but like the states alone, how how much of a I don't a crutch those could be. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's such being a vital piece of equipment, right? Well, it's I mean, not you've got to it, know how to skate. Yeah, and you well, that's the thing is you you use whatever you have to your advantage, right? As an athlete, and if there's a limitation or something, you work around it. But if you're gonna, if the skate makes you better intuitively as an athlete, you're gonna use the skate rather than make it hard, like do the hard, the hard way, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so. And those guys are always. Uh, I know. So we do a lot of rotation. We work on a lot of rotation. Um, I love like the five-way med ball circuit kind yeah. of stuff. You know what I mean? Um, trying to create like stability in their pelvis. You know, I invented uh, that. You invented that? <laughs> That's nobody did it for me. <laughs> the overhead squat. The overhead squat. Uh, bench press, right? Um, we do a lot. I try to create like a stable pelvis. You know what I mean? Because these guys. Uh, I'd say the, the majority of it's Y, mm -hmm. no X and Z. And, uh, and you can see it, you know, we talked a little bit about like their adductor. You would think a hockey player who kind of does like the side-to-side -side stride most of the time would have – It's all forced uh, production. Yeah, they would have strong adductor, right? But mm -hmm. we, I put them in something like a Captain Morgan. Because um, those, you know, let me back up. Like when I usually when I assess teams like that, it almost looks like a mini seminar. Mm -hmm. with, with the movements that we'll do. So, and I can, I can learn a lot from that. They, they, it's, uh, they learn a lot from it, you know, like, holy shit, I thought it was freaking strong. And these, you know, and here I'm sweating and shaking all over the place. Just standing so, still. Just standing still. Yeah. But you put them in something like a Captain Morgan, I can't hold it. Mm -hmm. They can't hold an isometric hold in their adductor. And then like, they have no, like you, you know, the ankle strength, the ankles are kind of like locked in and stuff like that. So there's not a lot of like, movement in there to strengthen those little tendons and stuff yeah. like that so that doesn't surprise me but the adductor stuff does yeah and uh we you know we hammer a lot of that kind of stuff in, uh, upper and lower body uh, plyos you know that stuff's always fun to do but um i don't know hockey hockey's interesting uh one of the biggest battles i've had with hockey's the conditioning side of things mm -hmm. and uh just a matter of finding a connection to uh, the way the game is played, so it's not necessarily the amount. And if we, if you working with a stacked team, how many? How deep is your team? Sixteen. Sixteen. That's not very stacked. So, doing conditioning outside of their practice, that's going to have a, a detrimental effect on their practice and their skill development. So you got to talk to the, You have an opportunity to talk to their coach. Mm -hmm. Their head coach and then a few of the position coaches. Yeah. So what you can you do is make them stable in all planes of motion. You can enhance their athleticism by, you know, getting them out of the skates. Mm -hmm. And then it will no doubt transfer back, especially, you know, once you start to practice harder, faster, longer than um, just conditioning at the end. So how, how old are the athletes? 16. How long have they been playing? Uh, a lot. They, I'd say on the average – Probably somewhere between six to eight years because yeah, they, they did like yeah they started skate, young, skate camp they and did, shit. yeah they did camps and park district shit and stuff like that um, and then uh, I don't I have sixteen athletes that I work with so I don't know really like how big the full team is because I know not the whole team came in right but I that's that's the group that I'm I'm working with and um, they. Uh, when I started learning things about like face-offs, right, and how that works, and you know, because the first thing I what I noticed was like this kind of this, everything's forward, their knees are forward, so I want to put them like in more of that uh, hip loaded. back loaded athletic universal athletic thing. Um, I'm like, well, how? So I started talking to these guys. That universal that, athletic, yeah, thing. that one thing, right, <laughs> uh, that we talk about every now and then. I was like, so in a face-off, show me what you guys. Look like in a face-off. So I, these two guys come in, and, and that's what I see. This upright, knees forward. Then they kind of go down, right? Like they got the stick, and they got their elbow up like this. And I'm like, I looked at the position coach, and I'm like, is that right? Is that what you guys are coaching? And I meant that as a way, like, because I Preaching I've never coached yeah. a face-off, but is that what you're teaching these guys? And he's like, well, this is not what I want them to do. And I'm like, what do you want them? How do you want them to look? You want them to look like this? And then I put this one kid in the in the UAP, and he's like, "That's how it should be, right? It should be back, 
because when the puck drops, they're trying to twist it back. They're trying to twist it back behind. Trying to get your uh, toes forward. There, Danny. There you go. I was I was focusing more on the hand placement, right? You were, <laughs> hey, unconscious incompetence. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Uh, they they're gonna pivot and turn and and they uh, they want to pass the puck behind them. Yeah. Right. So he's like, they need to sit back and be able to kind of do this like this Maneuver. movement this way. And I'm like, then all right, this is what we got to do. Then we got to get these guys used to sitting back more and I go if you sit back more on skates what's gonna happen are you gonna fall backwards and they're like no actually the the longest part of the blade right is kind of the center if you're too far forward you're gonna be off balance if you're too far back you will but if you're there you're golden right and of course that's where you're gonna create the most power and you know take that shot at the most crucial time so um, it was nice to kind of bridge that learn something and then have these coaches learn something because they want to coach the the X's and the O's, but they might not have the greatest idea on should these kids should their body position be different, mm -hmm. right? Why can't they make this shot? I don't get it. I'm putting them in the in the position to do that on the ice, on yeah. the ice. But yeah, the, right. They body they can't see the body position part of it, which is nothing new. I mean, that's the that's where we come. From. Yep, that's the the role of the strength coach. You guys yeah. got a lot of movement going on around here i don't yeah i don't remember it always being like this well typically when there's a guest we mute on our end mm. it is kind of weird being here um usually i'm like sitting in my bathroom mm -hmm. recording with off? my pants off <laughs> with laptop on my uh lap laptop well, right yes. and it's weird to kind of like sit here and record on this well when luke said make yourself at home it didn't mean take the pants off <laughs> That's how I just feel natural. I know. Right? I mean, well, I mean, the odd part is when John walked in, his pants were already off as well. Don't you hate pants? Don't you remember when Luke just wore sweatpants for a month? That was during the, the middle of the bulk when my jeans didn't fit and I just wore maternity pants. He just wore sweatpants. So, you know, Tex, I have to be selfish because um, I have this opportunity. I'm here. One, one athlete I work with is a swimmer. And I know you went and worked with Roth a lot. Roth's training with the swim team. The League you know of Shadows. Mean? The League of Shadows. That <laughs> <laughs> no, was pretty good. That's right? a great rap impression. Um, but yeah, I'm, I could use some ideas um, to help. This kid's 13. You know, we're on, we were talking about 13-year-olds and stuff like that. He happens to be 13. Um, I do like a lot of the streamlined stuff, you know. Yeah, but yeah. I'm wondering, uh, I'm thinking in my mind, I'm thinking like dead bugs, of course, right? They kind of help strengthen that. He had some low back problems when his mom came in and talked to me. And she's like, you know, I, then he's tall. Swingers are built weird. They got really long torsos, long arms, short legs. They're just, it's kyphotic spines. It's just, I guess that works for them, right? The question is, do they find gravitate towards swimming because they're built that way? Or do they get molded that way because they swim? Molded by it. They no. get molded by it. No, I think people uh, people gravitate towards what they're good at in a certain body type or excel at swimming. It, mm -hmm. You know, and unless yeah. they're sprinters, the sprinters girls are pretty are built are built different from the long distance swim girls. But then they find their distance yeah. based off their body type. Yeah. So, like, um, I think, uh, uh, like, a more like you'll see, like a like like that Colleen Faust girl. She's mm -hmm. like a sprinter. She's pretty jack. Whereas China was more like a middle distance. Yeah. But Ralph also talked about that. Did he say that there was like some mm -hmm. crazy, like crazy stuff? But like the one girl that had like hyper knee extension, like hyper extension, plantar flexion, knees, flexibility, flexion. and then even Stu McGill talked about you know when he was talking about spinal column density on the podcast. He's like someone with a thicker spinal column is going to be a better middle linebacker. Someone with mm -hmm. a, a a more dainty text-like spine. I was gonna say like you. Uh, what? Well, come on, <laughs> dude. My spine is like, dude. It's like rock solid well, like, spine. The fact that I'm talking like, like a big hog. So the best is my neck did the same thing, and I was fine. Like every year, like. Hey. Dude, well, it's because my brainstem is thicker because I have a higher emotional quotient than you do. That's okay. Yeah. I, I know. I'm totally fine. That's why I lack emotion. Yeah, and you know what? You also had is mass behind you. I didn't have the mass, so I had to add it's more speed. Like you were like 240 pounds. I was 200 pounds. Wait, now what was my program weight? 
240. I was 6'2", 240 in the program. (laughs) (laughs) Our coaches are like, everyone's 40 pounds heavier and six inches taller. But this was high school, right? You're No, no, not at all. Not in the fucking, not in the uh, IHSA, bro. We got some beefy fucking dudes in our IHSAs. <laughs> we're fucking high school, right? Yeah, we're people supposed to peak. You're the freak <laughs> who peaked in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, he was talking about how like just just the spinal, like your spine will almost like kind of auto-regulate what sports and what positions you play just because you won't be successful because you're fucking – you just can't withstand the abuse or the movement types, right? It's kind of so, like a sport natural selection. In a way, is, yeah. or as Dan John said, right, geography and genetics. So if you're like Tex and you weren't raised by water, you're going to be afraid of the water because there's sharks in the water. There's sharks in the water. They're even in pools. Yeah, and in the pools. <laughs> Man, I'm not going to. There's sharks in those pools. What are you talking about? I played with guys that were afraid to get in the deep and they were nervous of sharks. <laughs> But um, anyways, let's, so let's jump back into the training side of it. This kid is, uh, his events are like the backstroke and the butterfly. Okay. So like, I can see the gears turning in your mind, yeah. right? Like, yeah. am I going to put some bands on this kid? <laughs> am I going to invent the bands? Is this the first time yeah. you talked about this baited uh, question, baited? Yeah. Am I going to uh, – obviously, I'm going to do streamline, which we do. Well, we do streamline. first thing you do is bring a kettlebell underwater, like the Speedo commercials. Sure. Just kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> I broke your pen. So, I broke right. your freaking pen. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, welcome. Uh, make yourself at home. Um, <laughs> so, what's your first thing you need to avoid is changing their technique. So you said he's a backstroke and uh, butterfly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what can we do is then work on just his movement mechanics. And then this is where our primal movements come into play. It's as simple as taking the approach of improving his squat, his lunge, his step up, his ability to horizontal press, horizontal pull, vertical pull, and vertical press. So that's, that's step one. It's improving just his ability to execute those. So we're not going to even touch his swimming technique. Then what we're going to do is focus on improving his streamline. Mm-hmm. So uh, think of a streamline as his, his stride length, something we can improve upon. So for each stroke, we're able to increase his ability to maintain a streamline for just one inch underwater, distance of 50 meters. We get him that much faster. I could probably got to do more research, call, call up um, the Ruiz to find out how many strokes it takes to get from one end of the pool for elite and that'll probably be the goal. And so from there is just focus on a streamline. So with our dead bug, with uh, our Spider-Man with a horizontal, Spider-Man complex two horizontal lift, mm-hmm. then we can practice a streamline through all planes of motion. Uh, so we're twisting, we're bending, uh, we're creating stability within the hips for the X, the Y, the Z. So that's, that's basically all we're doing. How old is this kid? 13. 13, yeah, he doesn't even necessarily touch weights yet. So mm-hmm. isometrics. Maybe some controlled eccentrics, body weight, and just proficiency through space. And then the streamline. Mm -hmm. But don't touch his his technique for his swimming. Don't worry about that. Let his sport coaches take care of that. And when when you're talking about, uh, like, the the lower body primals, um, you were kind of motioning with your hands, like, the, the hip movement. And you were going like opening, opening oh, yeah, and yeah. closing. But I then mean, what so we back we, up and like what was we said the butterfly, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're not going to touch this butterfly, but what do butterflies the move the motion include? Frog kick. Frog kick. Yeah, the legs are kicking. So that way we can just work on one hip at a time and his ability to go through that full his range of motion creates stability through his range of motion. And then the proficiency of then that movement within a streamlined position. So with uh, with that, he's got to separate his hips from his shoulders, not his shoulders from his hips, like a lot of field sport athletes are going to do. Swimmers opposite. You're maintaining uh, kind of squared streamline, and then your hips and legs kicking, doing all the work. Yeah. So it's all we did. Uh, we sh- we showed him the demo was just go into a streamline and then step over a bench. But he came around like. Uh, I think uh, peeing dog, peeing dog, ab duction, whatever you want. Presenting, to call 
presenting without twisting his shoulders. So we were opening that hip and then with the trail leg as well, just coming up and around, imagine hurdles. And I believe in that position, they're in dorsiflexion. Okay. So, and, and then an aggressive frog kick into plantar. But I gotta go, uh, go to the film. And if, say, say you keep a streamline and do like a, my elbows can't bend that way, man. <laughs> this is my lockout right here. <laughs> um, like a, a single leg lower. Or would that would that be challenging kind of that pelvic movement and the same idea as what you're saying, right? Yeah, but get maintain it. that and lower like do it like a three second eccentric lower on one side and see Yes. But and get see him, what I see. But get his yeah. torso vertical. So streamline is gonna be the ultimate goal, but if that's preventing him from coming down, whether it's anterior yeah. pelvic or over posterior tilt then just go hug the world, but the goal is going to be to maintain this ridge of the spine as he moves along the, the z-axis. Why go hug the world? Just because he's breaking. Because it's his... not as it's not as stressful on his torso or his hamstring as he pulls. Mm. But then we can increase the stress, and that's the eventual goal is to go to streamline. Mm. All right, and then add resistance once he's proficient. Yeah. Awesome. So, bottom line. Fix their mechanics of all the, the movements you can do, but don't change their technique. Okay. That's good stuff. Um, he, you know, he has like, you know, we talked a little bit about like the kyphotic spine and lower back lordosis kind of thing. Um, maybe that was the root of his back pain or not, or not, but Probably. I, you know, I'm sure that's something to do with it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but like definitely we do a lot of the streamline work. I, you know, I was telling you guys it was more GHD kind of a thing holds isometric codes and that, but I like the idea of like challenging that stuff through the ranges of motion. Um, yeah. So it's going to be basically a hold of the streamline, but then his hips are the, the movement mm -hmm. versus a lot of the football. We're going to lock in the hips and then twist, rotate, bend the shoulders. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. What else? Uh, well, with that's, those were like the challenges from, um, with the swimming athlete, um, you know, the other athlete I work with is we just finished up. We were doing, um, he was like uh, off season football camp. Um, big, huge kid, man. Type two diabetes. Oh boy. Yeah. And it was purely, uh, I'm like, well, what's your diet like? And then this dad comes over, you know, and he's like, you're not going to like, you're not going to like what you see with his nutrition. And I'm like, well, what, what is it? You know, and he started telling me this eats chocolate, eats candy. And I'm like, well, what, a, what do you guys do? What's like the household? You know what I mean? I'm trying to like challenge the parent without kind of putting them on the spot. And um, mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm, I guess I'm trying to like dance around the idea that maybe you should have some accountability for that as well. You know? <laughs> Tactfully, right? <laughs> yeah. Dick punch. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a shame. Um, cause I kind of, I viewed that as, uh, you know, like that was brought on, um, type two diabetes kind of type one, you know, from my understanding of that, that's, you know, that's different than type two type disease. disease. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, I've been working with him and, uh, our whole thing was that that was a lot of, a lot of like the field strong, um, you know, the stuff that, that we've talked about and do, um, he's made some, he made some good progress. I was, I was proud of him. Um, if I can just get him to clean up that diet, man, change those habits, you know, going back to stuff like this, this whole step-by-step -step process, mm -hmm. it's like, how can you, how can you work like nutrition in there? You but know, how, how old is this guy? Man. Uh, how old is he? Yeah. He was uh, 13, 14. Yeah. Time. See, it's like, you're just not, you don't know yet then that you can like, um, maybe make a different decision than your parents do. Because like, we had a, we had Austin, the pitcher, and when John asked him what his diet was and like, and what his family to eat, it's like all pasta, all carbs, no meat, low protein, low fat. And John's like, no, you don't fucking eat like that anymore. And we were fortunate enough that the kid, you know, we were talking about, I don't know if it was on the podcast, John, or just like between me you and Tex, like he was the type of guy who was just like, okay, John, I'm, I will fucking, sounds good. You know, and made himself like, uh, put himself in the position to, to just trust what John said. And 
fucking switched his diet up. And what do you think happened? Lost weight, got stronger. Like, injury I mean, healed. Yeah, injuries healed, back pain healed, herniated discs, no longer a problem. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, if you can fucking tap into that kid and just be like, hey, man, like, you got to start making your own decisions. Now, the difference is this kid, how old's Austin? 21. Yeah, so he had, I mean, he has independence. Mm-hmm. From his folks, you know, and yeah. Uh, yeah, but here's the thing: most kids aren't going shopping. Yeah, that's the. So that's my whole deal: is like most kids aren't going shopping; they are eating what their parents prepare. What pretty much prepares for them. So I mean, that's kind of for me. That's like, well, like you know, I and it's like, well, he gets to the school and stop giving him fucking money. Yeah, you know? pack the lunch, right? Yeah. So it seems to be like too much work, though, for those for those, or everybody's in a fucking hurry. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Whole life's in the whole world's in a hurry. The whole world's in a hurry, but it's like the, the they don't have time to. You, know, you know, we got to have uh, these quick, quick meals and stuff like that. And uh, I guess just keep, you know, one approach is just to kind of keep, uh, like, re, you know, just to keep saying it, mm-hmm. right? like keep presenting as an option, like you know. Well, did you, when you were talking to the folks, what did they say? The basic excuses. Well, we're busy. You yeah, know, that's I'm working, and you know, I don't have time for this and that. And I'm like, you know, you got to. This will. This will not only help him; it'll help you, mm-hmm. right? Like it's a whole lifestyle. Um, well, maybe you go shock here. Weird. Don't get weird on it. Don't overwhelm me, right? Like everybody be like, okay, I'm gonna rearrange everything, and I'm gonna go like you know, in a strict thing, and then after like two, three weeks, they crash out. Shit to bed, right? right. It becomes Dude, too much does, work. Does his parents drop him off for training? Uh, they'll stay. Then guess what your next next session is? You're going shopping. <laughs> We're gonna go. I had to do that once. Yeah. Did you go teach him how to read yeah, labels or just make him make better fucking both? It's terrible. Investment comes through understanding. So just make sh- that sessions on the house, whatever, mm-hmm. or take the whatever you're charging, and then you just that's groceries. Yeah. Give them opportunity to get, you know, five meals or five days of food. Out of that one trip. Yeah. Yeah, the nutrition shit's slippery, man. Just a hard thing, especially when the fucking folks you can are clearly uh, enablers and contributors and fucking participants in the the gluttony of fucking candy bars and snacks. And you know, shit. it's the candy missing bars. Piece. It's the missing piece. You know, when I was talking about Jenny um, earlier in the, in the show, like the the girl, the straw man girl, like she right now, I think she's. 200. Mm-hmm. She's lost like 90, 80, 90 pounds in the past year by just doing like strongman training, um, some bodybuilding and, and getting her diet. Mm-hmm. Right. And then now she's starting to get some haters because there's people who just maybe work out for an hour a day, soccer moms and stuff like that. And they're not getting those kind of results. They see her and they're like, what, what is she doing? How come I don't have that? I'm here all the time. Right. And it's like, well, she eats better. Yeah. She gets her rest. You know, that's, that's what challenges me the most. Right. I, I, uh, when I started doing more of the strongman stuff, like I, I increased my calories to like 3,800 a day. My problem is like sleep. I mean, do you really count calories? I, I have an app that does it. Do you believe me? No, no, I think you did. <laughs> um, it gives me an idea. So like I have a general idea of, um, where I'm at, but, uh, you know, it, it, I'm usually there because I understand like portion size and, um, you know, I know I'm within that window Yeah, and I can, I can see it in, um, this manly sexy body you see right here. Mm-hmm. And then the, which for our listeners, um, is he's pointing it at me guys. <laughs> no, hey, Denny is only in a pair of white BBDs. Uh, the original tidy whitey. That's how I roll, man. Which don't appear Old to school, they haven't been washed in a week or so. No, no. I mean picture. His underwear looks like Rocky's wife beater in Rocky Three. No Rocky Two. <laughs> Rocky Two? Yeah. No. I mean there's spaghetti skin as a whole. I'm pretty sure there's a skid mark. It's total risky business, Tom Cruise. Um But like homeless or hipster Tom Cruise in risky business. Like, you know, the one that doesn't shower or buys dilapidated clothes. <sighs> well, what do you think? I think that you look great. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it's my sleep. Sorry, sorry, Doctor Kirk Parsley. Right, like that's the missing. Uh, he's not sorry. He's well. His whole thing, you know, that's uh, 
obviously something I can get better at, right? Like I'm averaging like five, five, six hours and freaking, I got to try and get better at that. Well, here's what I want you to do. Write it okay. down. Here's my goal. I know what you I'm want to put do. put pen to paper. And I want you to write it down. But use vocal awareness in which you say, I will. I will get 6.5 hours of sleep. I, well, let's start. Let's back up. <laughs> right? Nice picture, I guy. want. I hurt my hip. You see, I said, Mark, this extra, I hurt my hip. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've seen that. So. <laughs> I asked him how the was doing. And I was like, man, I, I, he's asked me. And I was like, I fucked up my hip. Dude, check the extra. Classic x-ray joke. It's <laughs> fucking my... <laughs> Try to drop that one on people. You think it'll pick up on it? He's too busy talking about himself. So giving you a little play-by-play, -play, uh, Denny is writing down goal. Yeah. I want... No, no, it no. It starts no, with no, no, I no, want no, no, to no, improve. No. You need to sleep. do language. I will. I will. I was... But it starts with I want. That's it. That's it saying, hey, I will. We're skipping right over I want. Making a decision of what you want to do. But then writing it down and then the correct language of I will. I will. Yeah. Get seven to eight hours of sleep. Now, how many days a week? Well, I'd be cool with at least three. Start well, then put three. that sucker down. Right, three. We're going three. Start with three days. Yeah. So you'll get Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and you'll realize how good you feel, and then you'll go for four. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's do one. Let's do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Real life does get in the way. Thursday is my 5 a.m. 5 a.m. group class that I get to get up for earlier. Yeah. So, and then usually the, the swimmer and the football kid, they keep me at the gym Wednesday nights. So, um, just how life works out. That's how it goes. Yeah. But I can definitely, um, prep for that kind of stuff, right? Better. Mm -hmm. So, and you got a, you got a nine to five, so you can just take a nap mm -hmm. there. Too right, just nap at the office. You know it. I, <laughs> I, I, I got it. Like if I can get in like this position here, and kind of put some paperwork right here, it looks like I'm kind of like what John's doing right now. <laughs> right? Like, it looks like he's doing something. He's, he's actually napping. He's napping. What he's about nice. those glasses that with open eyes? Those don't work. You know from experience. I know from experience. <laughs> But uh, no, Denny, dude, it's good to catch up with you, man. I mean, oh, it's great uh, to be out here. I'm looking forward to this weekend. My birthday's Saturday. Oh, big time. So, yeah. What are the plans after the cert? You tell me, right? Like, well, we got if, options. If we you guys to... don't put me on the plane Sunday morning, I think my plane leaves at Sunday morning at 7. Like, if I don't crawl to that plane, then. Well, typically birthdays include tacos yeah. and margaritas. Tacos and margaritas will work. But you need to get seven to eight hours of sleep, so. Well, yeah. we'll start that next week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this isn't the week to do that. Let's let's start next. No, man, that's good stuff, man. But, uh, yeah, peeps, we got our Power Athlete Seminar coming up this weekend. But by the time you hear this, that's going to be old news. But uh, we're going to crush it. What seminars do we have? Uh, if you're in Italy, in Rome, nice. Texas is going to be out in Rome. We're going to be in, going to Oktoberfest in Germany. Uh, we've got Amsterdam, so we're going on a little international tour. In October, we're going to be in Philly. That's short for Philadelphia. At, um, were we at Tony Fu's gym, or we had a different gym? No, Tony uh, Fu's Tony gym. Tony Fu's gym. Oh, okay. But uh, anyways, yeah, dude, check it out. Crossfootball.com slash events, and you're going to see some crazy shit popping up there soon. Um, I don't know. Good, good, talk, good talk, boys. Awesome. Let's get some lunch. Let's do it. I'm starving. I worked up a good appetite. All right, let's do it. All right, yeah, to thanks. our listeners, we will see you in the next premiere podcast episode of Power Athlete Radio. Or at another time. Yeah. Hasta. Bye. Bye. Thanks, thanks, thanks Danny. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Denny K represents the everyman, just a hardworking father of roughly 12 daughters, and he is strong as hell. Follow him on Instagram under the name, which I cannot pronounce, D-K-R-E-R-O-W-I-C-Z. And don't forget, Wade's Army's fifth annual Wade's Day campaign has officially kicked off. From now until November 12th, we will be honoring the brave pediatric cancer patients battling neuroblastoma, a tumor derived from immature nerve cells. For 2016, we're embracing their valor and highlighting their nerves of steel. 
join the fight against neuroblastoma and help us reach our goal of fundraising $125,000. Enlist today at wadesarmy.org by clicking the Donate Now badge and claim your limited edition Wade's Army uniform. Every army needs a uniform. Until next time, bye!